This is Creative Machines, conversations about technology, creativity, and all the different futures we could be heading towards. I'm Aaron Tolson with Pietro Galliano, and we are Creative Machines. How do you feel about targeted advertising? Is it strange that companies now know what you want by listening in on your conversations and following you around the internet? Advertising as espionage might be the new normal. Maybe it's better that we only see things we might actually need now, rather than advertisers acting like fish spawning, spreading their seeds of general purpose submission across billboards and daytime TV. Customers by saturation. However you think of advertising, that process of making us throw our money in the general direction of certain brands involves a lot of creative thinking. Talking us through all this today is Dre Labre. Dre spent many years as an award-winning creative director in the advertising world working at Rethink Canada where, amongst other projects, he had Molson beer fridges placed all around the world that could only be opened when someone sang Oh Canada into them. After leaving Rethink, he founded TBD Company, which works with clients to create Tomorrow by Design by helping them imagine possible futures. We get into whether advertising can be used to encourage social change, how the internet can give smaller brands a chance to compete with the big guys, We discuss how our data is driving the change in advertising and how this process might be transforming our concept of privacy. We cast our minds forward to what the future of advertising could look like, imagining entire cities as interactive ad campaigns driven by augmented reality and facial recognition software. We do a double take at the impacts of deepfakes and how it might not be all bad. And finally, we discuss the role algorithms can play in creativity including whether or not ad agencies will soon be replacing staff with artificial intelligence. We actually asked Dre before recording whether AI will take his job. A frankly rude question he took pretty well and addresses later in the episode. As usual, I'll be popping up like clickbait every so often with footnotes whenever I feel like chasing certain topics further down the rabbit hole. Let's hear Dre Labre on the Creative Machines podcast. What I like to say is that, you know, when I call myself a futurist and and people are like, oh, really? Uh, and my first answer is like, yeah, but the future doesn't really exist. It, there's, it's you, only it can't be predicted. Like, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. Yeah. And then they're confused. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about yeah. now? Yeah. And then I have to say that what I do is I, I use, my, my specialty is I use science fiction. It's data. It's the data about the future that we do not have mm. exists in the form of science fiction. We have tons of data about the past that we can inform ourselves about that stuff, but data about the future we don't have. But when you look at science fiction, we do. It's been imagined thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of times and 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 to a, a great degree of accuracy in, in some cases. And it's not about taking the entire film or story wholesale, but just finding that one little detail mm-hmm. and then examining the human condition around it and how people behave 
you know, the future, the future is flawed. The future will look a lot like today. You know, it's 2019 and I live in a house that was built in 1940 and it still looks like a house built in 1940. Yeah. Like in 2056, there are going to be people who are going to be living in condos that were built in the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah. Like the future will look like today, but imagine these other little details and what are the the fantastic uh, ideas that you want to have happen. And, uh, you know, my, my slogan or the thing that I like to say is that the future belongs to those who imagine it. Mm -hmm. So if you have the courage to imagine something interesting, it's within your power to just forge your way toward that future. It seems to me like a positive message that you approach a lot of what you do with a sense of positivity. And, um, Going back to advertising a little bit, because that's your background and maybe involves some of what TBD does now, but um, do you see the advertisers and the the campaigns, do they have the ability to enact social change or do they reflect social change? What's the power there with advertising? What is the corporate corporate intention behind... Uh, social good or sustainability. I think sustainability mm-hmm. is probably one of the biggest important things mm-hmm. that we need to be thinking about today. Yes. Um, and there is a distinction to be made between philanthropy mm-hmm. and uh, systematic change. Mm-hmm. I think with philanthropy, it tends to f- go along the lines of, <clears throat> I will do good so long as it's good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, philanthropic, um, uh, there, there's a lot of good... Uh, tax benefits <laughs> that come with being philanthropic. Right. Um, and if those tax benefits weren't there, then a lot of companies probably wouldn't uh, bother to spend the time doing that. Mm. With that being said, it's good that it's happening. Right. Yeah. Take it. Take the wins when they come. Yes. Right. However, on the other side of things, there's systematic change that you can do. There are pieces of your machine that you can improve to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. And when, when you do that, even though you're sacrificing some short-term gains, uh, that's, that's, that's really where it's at. So if you can use the power of branding and media to expand on that and to spread that word a little bit more. And it's not about, look how good we're being over here. It's like, look at the changes we've made right. to help make things better. You know, quick example would be, uh, this is after I left uh, Rethink, but you know, A&W is one of their clients mm-hmm. and um, uh, A&W made the decision to get rid of plastic straws. Yeah. Right? That's a, like a hot button topic. Huge, and yeah. they they use their media dollars and their influence to create an installation that said change is good, made out of all the plastic straws that they were getting rid mm-hmm. of. Amazing. Uh, and it was great. And it's an amazing symbol and an awesome gesture. Mm-hmm. But it's also backed by something that they actually committed to doing. Right. You know, as a <clears throat> skeptical person, I would step it up even further and then say don't stop there mm-hmm. like let's what like what are you going to do with the forks and the knives and the right, spoons yes. and the little bags they come in and all the extra little things mm-hmm. and they likely have you know they're they're on the right track yeah. they they yeah. they can potentially go down there but mm-hmm. you know don't stop there never let anybody stop at any at, at at one good gesture but that's an example of some some good systemic change that's happening that uh that is using media as a positive influence yeah. to spread the word and let people know that this is an important thing that we need to be talking about. It also plants the stake in the ground that they believe that this is a problem. Like, yes. And that's, that's and another they're thing. Admitting th- yeah. yeah, they're yeah. admitting yeah. to it. You know, Nike did this thing with Colin Kaepernick um, yeah. and they stood behind him. Mm-hmm. And 
that was a that was a really really bold move, and yeah. they alienated a whole lot of people in the process. But all you know those what? videos of people burning Nike sneakers. Yeah, fine, that's good. Go yeah. go pay eighty bucks and burn them. <laughs> like yeah, that's like really yeah, <laughs> Nike's like you'll be back. You're you're gonna buy another pair. There are certain companies, um, Lush, um, you know the. The soap, the the, the soap and yeah. the bath bomb store that always smell. You can smell it from ten blocks yeah, away. Yeah, it's uh, but, offensive. <laughs> yeah. But um, they did this campaign, I think, last year called Naked, um, in a few cities around Europe, where they got rid of packaging completely in certain flagship stores. And what you did was to learn about product information. You could download an app, the Lush Lens, and you went in. You would hold it over the product image recognition and figure out what it was. And then you would get the product info. So they wouldn't have to have the packaging with the product info on anymore. And they did this whole social media campaign along with it as well. And they really, you know, 100% had committed to having these brick and mortar stores completely packageless. There's a bulk grocery store here. Um, bulk that go- barn? No, it's not. It's, beyond, it's a little bit beyond Bulk Barn. Bulk Barn's great. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good model. They're actually sponsoring yeah. this episode. Are they really? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Bulk Barn. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> if you we want have, to, yeah. please. Uh, bulk, bulk burn, please email us. We'll take yeah. your money. Yeah. <laughs> you like nuts? Yeah. Go to bulk burn. <laughs> there you go. Done. Um, there is another uh, bulk barn ish type of a grocery store that is also providing things like milk, things that you wouldn't normally find in a bulk, in bulk? food. Yeah. Cool. So it's like a you know it's like a soda fountain machine, and you bring your you bring your reusable container mm, and you. Yeah. Stick it underneath, and you fill it up, and you take whatever you need. Um, yeah, I, I think that is uh, that is an important place that I think the world needs to play. Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, the plastics problem that we have, mm-hmm. and you consider every time you buy a, uh, I'll t- oh, I guess a couple of things I want to unpack. One, every time you buy a product, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a severe impact, and you have. Uh, these um, you know laundry detergent bottles. You keep on buying the same high density polyethylene bottles over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. When really they, they they only need to to pack it in like something less offensive, like a tetra pack, like a tetra pack or a, a, yeah. a, a plastic. It's still plastic, but you know they're they're you know a smart company might just decide one day like fuck it. Why don't we just make glass jars just like the old days? Yeah, right. um, that would be really good. When I see uh, it. Uh, uh, Condiment or jam companies go from a glass bottle to a plastic bottle. It's just ah, oh, you yeah, had it right. Yeah, you yeah. know, Heinz man, just just stick with plastic. Yeah. stick with glass. Yeah, yeah, and forget about the plastic. Um, th- that's something that we need to really consider. However, the 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 other thing to consider is that there are initiatives that are out there in the world. There's an initiative that I absolutely adore, and it's called Precious Plastics. This guy created a DIY system to um, to turn. Uh, like high density polyethylene and and different forms of plastic into chips that can then be turned into uh, filament that can be extruded in 3D printers Great. or used in plastic mold injection wow. because they are thermoplastics. High density and low density polyethylene are thermoplastics. You can you can melt them down. You can create new things with them. Right. You could, with a little toaster oven, you could just do these things all by yourself at home Amazing. in Great. your backyard. Yeah. He teaches you how to render this stuff and he gives you the plans and it's all open source and it's easy to find material. And he even has this plan of, he does this uh, shipping crate, a shipping container that is full of all of the, you know, the, the machine that grinds it, that takes it to the machine that that heats it up and pushes it through the extruder and then and, and reels a spool of, of, you can do that. You can do all of that 
mm-hmm. in this one shipping container. And I feel like this shipping container should exist in multiple places around the world. Yes. So that people can just bring their stuff and yes. turn it. Because, yeah. you know, 3D printing is an awesome way of using this material. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need to make sure that we're using previously used material and not manufacturing new plastics yep. from scratch Oops, yeah, to satisfy that. We yes. don't need to. We really don't need to. We got all the stuff we need, yeah. Um, a little while ago, I saw that Lego uh, was starting to experiment with biodegradable plastics. <laughs> yeah. And they were they were introducing these tree, uh, well, tree building blocks. Great. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. amazing. But... Lego's the one plastic I never throw out. But talk about setting a precedent. Except for that the, one cursed block you step on <laughs> yeah, coming exactly. down the stairs. <laughs> the the uh, yeah, there's a um, PLA. PLA is a I believe it's a corn-based plastic. It's biodegradable. It will actually disintegrate into the ground whereas um you know ABS is a photo um uh photodegradable plastic so it, it requires ultraviolet forever. light it'll take forever it will eventually degrade but we're talking in the hundreds and thousands of years that yeah. that, that might happen in archaeologists of the future might one day be mining a desolate empty earth and discover an entire geological layer of gatorade bottles jewel pods and all the bubble wrap from amazon packages but this podcast is about finding hope amongst the garbage patches of despair There are so many startups and movements out there taking aim at the plastic problem. We already discussed packagelessness. Other projects are looking at packaging that can be used for a purpose, such as using food waste products to create edible packaging that can be cooked along with the contents. There's even a Portlandia-sounding project that uses kombucha as food wrap. Projects like precious plastic that turn waste into other goods is part of a larger movement towards what's known as a circular economy. In circular economies, waste is seen as useful, something that can either generate energy for a process or be turned into a new product that has inherent value. One example of this is a Scottish company called Quantec that uses waste from shellfish production to create a bioplastic that's used as the packaging for shellfish. The beauty of closed-loop economies is they can be applied almost anywhere. There's examples of skyscrapers reusing treated wastewater to flush their toilets, Other projects use food waste from farming as a source of energy, or pulp from coffee and beer processors as either a compost or even as 3D printer filaments, and even just rubbish being used to make bricks in construction. The book of waste potential is long and hopeful, and can even make economic sense. The question is, will these projects ever gain the exposure needed to change minds? Or are they destined to float around the backwaters of the internet forever? I mean... All McDonald's has to do is whistle. Their platform is so large and ingrained that they've turned all of society into Pavlov's drooling dogs. Our smaller companies doomed to always be overshadowed by the big players. The internet has democratized the way that we can talk about things. Right. The the reality is that once upon a time, a brand used to be able to say, my my shit is my shit is good because yeah. they would pay money to say that. Yeah. Nowadays, you just can't say your shit is good. Your right. shit has to actually be good mm-hmm. because consumers and people in general, I hate the word consumers, but <laughs> people in general <clears throat> have this megaphone called the internet yes. and using that, you can spread the word. Now, the 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 one thing that the, the corporations have is they have the really, really, really smart minds mm-hmm. of some of the most uh, talented and creative individuals working in advertising doing that for them on their behalf. Right. Uh, Banksy made a statement a long time ago about um, uh, the state of the art world and how why it was so shitty is because the most 
uh, driven, talented creatives were being hired by corporations to, to make to make ads for th- bullshit. Bull uh, and probably <laughs> true. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So I think that m- maybe part of the solution would be if every creative person parceled off a tiny chunk of their time mm-hmm. to use some of those brain cycles toward uh, uh, um, something they felt strongly about, something that they believed in, mm-hmm. and somebody who deserves to have more of a creative voice. We hear things like, you know, Google has this uh, 20% time where you get to use 20% of your work time to work on on passion projects, when right. in fact it's really 20% above and beyond the already maxed out schedule that you're working. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, you know, maybe there's a 20% time for creatives or maybe there are agencies that choose to to uh, allow the creatives to do have this 20% time. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the really good work uh, can be uh, promoted in, ad, in award shows. It'd be amazing huh. if there was like a universal database or, or an intake system where if, because everybody's got that idea or thousands of ideas that they'll never uh, execute on, mm-hmm. right? And and you might have a great idea on a different way to use plastic or a different way to um, help uh, uh, affect climate change or uh, use a product in a different way, whatever that is. But then it, it kind of sits in you know in the bottom of your heart, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to really be able to execute that. And I don't know anybody in that industry. It'd be awesome if there was like a, a, collect, a, a collection and yeah, a depository where you, you can um, uh, p- do a quick pitch and put it out there. And then when corporations are looking for ideas or something like that, they can go to this place where people are, you know, it'll be 99%. Uh, it might be 99% uh, irrelevant compared to what you're looking That's for. That's a hell of an idea. You never know. Yeah. You know what? I, I think that the, um, there are, uh, you know, there are a lot of patents. Uh, you know, we have a patent system that's broken. It totally um, is broken. <clears throat> and yeah. what, what happens is that uh, you will write that patent, not planning on executing on it, thinking, you know, someone, someone, someday someone will execute on it. And when they and do, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to yeah. get rich on it. Right. That's the uh, yeah. So that's kind of a bullshit thing. I feel like maybe there should be some patent reform. Uh, yeah. Maybe something that allows certain things to go into the public domain mm. after a certain amount of time. Yes. Expires. Yeah. Um, like a short amount of time. Uh, but yeah, having some kind of a repository of ideas that didn't make it in the commercial world uh, uh, could be of great benefit to to somebody else. Mm-hmm. In the scientific world, there's a big battle between what gets patented or not. And, uh, you know, when the Human Genome Project was first underway, there were lots of uh, discussion about whether people would be able to patent areas of the human genome when really it should be like, no, this is just research. It should be open for everyone to mm-hmm. research on. It'd be great if that idea could happen in more industries, I suppose. Right. Patents are just one of the many innovations bureaucracy has gifted the world. And it might just be that the world ends because someone from the UN filed the wrong form and then they can't remember their password and then the deadline expires and they have to submit all over again. For instance... Almost 20 years after Google was founded, the EU finally introduced the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, that limits what companies can do with personal data and gives people more input in how their data is used and requires companies to inform users quickly about data breaches. In the meantime, we've all been collectively whispering our private sweet nothings into Big Brother's many ears, offering our valuable data exchange for free services that enable our parents to share our childhood photos with all our new friends every birthday. Then again, targeted ads are actually showing us things we might actually want now, so that's cool. 
Is the price of privacy worth paying? Maybe our idea of what privacy means might even be changing with social media and other free services. I think this is be a good exercise to do some some st- strategic foresight on mm-hmm. on what happens in a world where your your day to day goings ons are are um, are available for corporations. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, technically, it knows when I'm awake, it knows mm-hmm. when I'm asleep, it knows when yeah. I come home, it knows when I leave. Yeah, it is knows- that a generational thing though? Do you think that a ne- another generation will be like they'll nor- normalize it and uh-huh. privacy will just be something different? Ah, uh, that's not the mm, yes and no. The, yeah, there is a certain about normalcy around that, but it's our responsibility, I think, as the younger, the sorry, the older generation, mm-hmm. the previous generation. Yeah, the one who's kind of shepherding it through wh- wh- whether we know to, what the ramifications yeah, are or not. Like, it's like our responsibility. We're borrowing this world from the future generation. <laughs> yes. Let's not leave them with this fucked up ball of stupidity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's <laughs> let's <laughs> let's make sure that we we do the right things today. To prevent future um, distress for them uh, when things come up. Like, th- there's this story that I read the other day where this girl, she was 14 years old. I think her parents said, oh, you can get access to social media when you're 14 years old. Hmm. And she logged in when she was allowed to and discovered that her entire life was already on social. Oh, like her absolutely. like mother had posted all these photos and the sister had Instagram stories. And this little girl freaked out and was like, what the fuck? You wouldn't yeah. let me be on social? Meanwhile, you would and put yet me I on, am social? on social. I think that yeah. every time a friend posts pictures of their kids and stuff, what are they going to yeah. think about this? Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to be holier than thou right now, but, but my wife and I've, uh, we'll see how long this lasts, but we've made an extra effort to not put our kids on, like, you know, maybe shadows or profile uh-huh. shots or something yeah. like that. But um, uh, their identity is fairly hidden just because, not because we're worried about uh, that data being used against them or us, which could happen. Um, just try not to go that dark. <laughs> but it's more like the, when they're ready to put their life on social, then that should be their decision. Yeah. Um, think, well, yeah. you think about you have, you know, you kind of have a narrative of your own young life. And then if you suddenly saw that your parents had actually created this probably false narrative uh, about <laughs> yes. yourself, that could cause some really, An you know, serious uh, therapy bills at some yeah. point. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I was having a discussion about this the other day last night in fact uh and we were talking about you know the idea of consent Mm -hmm. the idea of social media consent and we were positing this notion that maybe in the future uh what's going to happen is there's going to be some kind of like a consent token that we carry on our you know portable device or our phone or whatever it happens Hmm. to be in the future so that when we're hanging out at dinner, when you decide, hey, I want to take a group selfie, or I'm just going to sneakily take a selfie of the group, or right. not a selfie of the group, what am I talking about? A photo of the group. <laughs> selfie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, the, the, when you decide to take a picture of the group, mm. if my security token says, I'm not cool with being in the picture, then it can do facial recognition analysis. Yeah. It could it be like, oh, there there's Dre. And, you know, Adobe's um, content-aware uh, delete is so freaking good that you just use a technology like that. We'll just content-aware delete you from the photograph. Or sub you with so, a, a wow. different human. So it's not, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, or it doesn't need to. So you you literally could be erased out of that one historical moment, yeah. one photo, but it can all be done in an artificially intelligent and, 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 uh, way so that, uh, so that you don't actually appear. Hmm. That being said, that photo has to be sent to home 
to a mothership somewhere. Right. Yeah. So that photo will exist. There. You know. Yeah. So it's right. still kind of there. You have given up your your uh, privacy in a way in that scenario already, where it knows who you are t- in order to delete t- to to know that this is your preference to be deleted from this photo. So yeah. it's kind of like you sign sign over in order to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I also yeah. I also wonder. Um, there's always seems to be an arms race in these situations. Like you think about ad blocking technology, then ad blocking blocking technology happens as well. <laughs> it's like someone- the radar detector and the radar detector detector. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the, there'd be someone that had another device that would let them like kind of cancel out that that process of getting someone out of the photo and having everyone back in the photo again. You know, there'd always be some kind of counter thing to and it. And isn't almost. that the fascinating thing about machine intelligence right now? Like I've been doing a lot of research on uh, deep fakes. Mm. And the oh, problem geez. with deep fakes is every time a new fake technology comes out, they have to combat it with a technology that figures out that it's fake, but then the new technology figures out how this one understands it's well, fake and then counteracts. And it's just, it's just exactly, going to get crazier it will. There's crazier. always going to be an arm race. That's how we evolution yeah. works. And that's how we will, you know, keep progressing. But uh... just as we're all coming to terms with fake news, welcome to deep fakes, a whole new era where even audio and video is now equally as reliable as a politician's testimony under oath. Deepfakes are created using algorithms that learn to convincingly match up images of one person's face onto the moving image of someone else's, even coordinating mouth movements and facial expressions. Let's start with a positive spin. Deepfakes could be a source of phenomenal new creative projects. A YouTuber known as Control Shift Face has already been uploading mind-blowing videos of, for example, Terminator 2 remade with Sylvester Stallone as the Terminator instead of Arnie. The technology is already being used in movies to map dead stars back onto the faces of stand-in actors, though recent news of a very deceased James Dean appearing in a new role has been met with anger from current hard-up actors like Captain America. Imagine the advertising potential of placing consumers into famous movie scenes, or how much easier audio engineers like our producer Dave will find making voiceover segments with AI-generated audio. But clearly, there's an enormous potential dark side here too. There's already examples of revenge porn where a woman's face is convincingly placed on a nude body and shared on the internet enough it's almost impossible to take down forever. Obviously, deepfakes could have implications for politicians and CEOs. Mark Zuckerberg has already been a high-profile example. So what can be done about deepfakes once they're out in the unforgiving meme generator once known as the internet? As we said, even detection will only make them become more convincing. Perhaps deepfakes will teach us all a lesson about the importance of doing our own research, or to speculate, that future internet architecture might have to include images that have reliable source material built into their code, perhaps by using blockchain technology, but that's all getting ahead of ourselves. While algorithms are the cause of and solution to the deepfake issue, and perhaps soon all of life's other problems, what impact could artificial intelligence have on creativity? especially in a newly data-driven industry like advertising. And will they take Dre's job? You know what? Going back to like the original question that you asked, which was, um, you know, is it going to make my job obsolete? Mm-hmm. I've thought about this quite a bit. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I look at what we do. We are, you know, we are, uh, we are computers made of meat. You know, we use storytelling to transmit data from one, uh, you know, necktop device to another necktop device. Mm-hmm. That's basically what we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. We uh, and I be, believe that's like a Slavoj Zizek thing. Um, 
but um, we tend to overestimate our abilities as uh, meat space computers mm-hmm. to be the only things able to you know create art mm-hmm. and beauty and ideas and these type of things. And when you step back and you just look at nature in general, just go look at a freaking forest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or how about this? Take a cauliflower and cut it in half and look at the insane Fibonacci sequence of, oh, yeah. of that fractal fra- bullshit. Fractal cauliflower? Oh, yeah. that. Like, that... That is beauty. That is unintentional. That is that that is that is pure. That is math. Mm-hmm. That is it's proof pattern. that the universe is made of information. <clears throat> so you know, I don't want to belittle the you know what we can do as humans. We're amazing creatures. We can do amazing stuff. We can we can make mu- beautiful music and, and and beautiful art. But when I look at creativity as it applies to advertising, what we do is akin to what a computer does. Mm-hmm. You know, when I ask a writer to you know, bang out 50 lines, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 50 headlines, they're going to, all right, well, here's here's <clears throat> here's the brief and here's here's the thing that we want to say and here's the thing that we're relating ourselves to and we're going to tie those. We're going to connect the dots, right? So you just connect a whole bunch of dots and you connect them a whole bunch of different ways and 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 this line will say it this way and that line will say it this way. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it, as a creative director, I look at all these lines, these 50 lines, and there's a really good chance that 95% of those lines are going to die immediately. Mm. But that's the process. That's <clears throat> yeah. the system. You know, of- 5% might live. Yeah. And, and and but chances are hundred percent will die and you're let's do another round of that. Right. Dre breaks it up. Get but when I do that, garbage, do it over. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't know. Uh the um when you do a second round, you you let them know what you didn't, you know. This is you know, you did a good job. You always you always have to emphasize the positive oh, yeah. first, right? <laughs> you know, this is the what compliment you did, but, sandwich. But yeah, compliment great sandwich. Great job on this. This is the problem. But yeah. hey, great job on yeah, this. You, yeah. you know, you have you know, you have uh, there's still a, hope. There's still hope yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great shot. <laughs> but when you do that, you're you're letting them know you're reinforcing what they're doing. Now, when you look at uh artificial intelligence. Reinforcement learning, literally. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's reinforcement learning, it's training the algorithm. Yeah. It's exactly up, the same down. thing. The difference is as a creative director, I could say, uh, here's what you need to know. You know, I don't know, 700 milliseconds later, it knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, I need 50 lines. 50 milliseconds later, I have 50 lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I can say, yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Not have to worry about someone's feelings. Right. And then have it come back uh, and train it and do it over and over and over again. And in the span of 30 minutes, I might be able to nail that line. But mm-hmm. as a creative director, as a human, I would I would be the one, I'd be the ultimate arbiter of this of this uh, this volley of ideas mm-hmm. saying, yeah, this is the one that resonates well with me. Good job, computer. Like, you know, that's pretty good for someone that doesn't have feelings. <laughs> um, when I look at that, I feel like that might actually happen. And it, it, I forget where, one of the agencies in, there's an agency in Japan, it's like Saatchi or one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that. They have a, an AI creative director. Yeah. And what they've done is that it, Likely does something along those lines. I don't mm. think, I think they, it's a misnomer. It's not really an AI creative director. I believe it's an AI creative. Ultimately, a human creative director looks at what it pumps out. Yeah. And H- the, human in the loop or, is something that's called a human yeah. in the loop. Yeah. 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 So, and, and I think that that's the, that the, um, the consensus was like, yeah, it, it actually 
did, it went all the places that a human right. would normally yeah, go. Yeah, good. In that. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that it's not the creative directors that are going to get displaced. I think it's going to be the low-level creatives that are going to get displaced. Mm. I think you're still going to... Well, first, uh, yeah, first. first yeah. yeah. Now, your cre- the, the creative director uh, talks to the copywriting bot and says, I like this, I like that. They do that 2,000 times, and then there's enough data points to be like, okay, creative director, we actually don't need you anymore because <laughs> we've been watching you the whole time, right. and now your job is gone. You're right. Now, that's that's the, the eventual progression, but I think that the, like in the short term, what's going to happen is it may sound in... Uh, humane, uh, inhuman, or or overly robotic to look at the data. The mm-hmm. reality is that that's where it's going. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. We, you, mass advertising. It used to be that you you needed to have one big creative message that you would tell the world. Yeah. To emphasize your opinion, your point of view on the thing, because you had to make the biggest bang for your buck. The reality now is that you know, you know, I don't see. TV ads. The only time I see TV ads is when I visit my parents, mm-hmm. and Daytime when I visit TV. my parents, it's it's all it's all uh, it's all ads for old people. Mm-hmm. It's all it's just lotions trucks. to make your knees feel yeah. less sore. And yeah, car insurance. No one else will insure you driving <laughs> yeah. a car because you're too old and dangerous. Right. We'll, yeah. we'll insure you. And they're all adverts where the disclaimers last longer than the actual advert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I love but those. I, and I look at the most effective ads that are happening right now, and it's frankly, it's you know, I I was talking about. Um, uh, camera backpacks last night with somebody, and sure enough, today I'm looking at my phone and goddamn camera backpack ad go. shows up. So that's what's happening. It, yeah. it, it understands our behavior, it understands who we're talking to, it understands yeah. the connections, whether it's actually listening to it to us or whether it's smart enough to know that hey, all our accounts are in the very close physical proximity therefore it can infer uh, that we are hanging out together. Yes, yeah. these these ideas are so are so so good and so well targeted that you don't need that. And then I look at these media that is being ignored, vastly ignored, like podcasting. Come on. Have you ever tried to block a podcasting ad? No, you can't. Mm -hmm. So I know, I know all the advertisers in podcasting world and it's in your freaking ears. It's so intimate. It's so right there. And, 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 and the advertising world is just, just oblivious. They're not even thinking about where the future is 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 going, mm. uh, you know, they're 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 too concerned with you know making that TV ad mm. or creating that 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 social media account where you know you get to start continue the conversation with. It. I don't want to fucking. Oh, have there's a so much bullshit there. You know, product. just when my bank just uses my first name in an email, just they're trying to present themselves as friendly to me. It's like you don't fucking know me. You no, yeah, yeah, no, no. It, yeah. It, uh, advertising is a one night stand. It's not a relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just you, you know, give me what I want. Yeah, and, which and, which, and which is great. I think you're describing because targeted ads they do feel creepy in some ways, but at the same time, it's very useful because advertising just used to be this blanket thing, almost like a fish spawning. It's just put out into the world, and if you see it and you like it great for you but most of us don't even give a shit now it is only showing me things i actually care about which is cool yeah things that i might not have known about before which is great um but yeah i do wonder if like just the data is so much more useful at gathering that stuff perhaps than like the teams that used to sit around and um, screen test people and get feedback from like the weird people that actually turn up to those things this stuff just seems so much more effective to me that i do feel that ad agencies 
You know, when we think about automation, I think people always thought about manual labor jobs getting replaced, where in fact, it's actually these level of jobs that seem to be getting replaced. I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say any company beyond a certain size is all about process and systematizing what mm -hmm. they do. And if that, if, if the company, it could be any company, is all about process, then there's a way to systematize that to mm -hmm. train uh, machines to do the job. Which is going to do it better. Yeah, there's, yeah. Time, there's, yeah. You know, there's that line that separates cost versus investment. Mm -hmm. And anything that is perceived as a cost, naturally you want to drive down. Anything that's seen, seen as an investment is something that's worth contributing to mm -hmm. you know the the advertising if you world, can uh you know approve it or or uh yeah but but, but the, typically an investment yeah. an investment you can you can prove some kind of a return on investment right therefore by spending this much money that's why marketing dollars exist you spend this much money in order to make this much mm -hmm. business right um but what happens is is you, you see a lot of uh you know i worked in the advertising industry for a long time and you know they they commoditize creativity the, the one thing that they value the most the one thing that they put on the pedestal like the idea is everything mm -hmm. yeah and it costs 110 dollars an hour what the fuck like why why are you doing that to yourself yeah it, it, don't commoditize the most important thing of your business yes uh and 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 uh, you know when, when clients see that they're like okay well how can we make that cheaper Mm -hmm. How can we use fewer hours to to get to where we're at? It's not it's not positioned as an investment. It's positioned as a cost. It's billed out as a cost. So of course you're going to want to drive that down. I like to think that um, ads c might. There, there's two paths. I think one one is that ad, you're just pouring gas on the advertising fire, and ads are just going to be everywhere and it's going to be so clear when you're being advertised to and people might tune it out hmm. but on the other hand maybe ads will become more invisible where it just starts to integrate into your life um and it, things become so targeted so personalized that advertising becomes like uh, like signage at an airport you're yeah. not paying attention to it but it it's it's there as a well, function in your life yeah but i would i would like that if that were true but i mean out of home Advertising is such a big thing, right? Um, that OOH thing is um, that's going to become even more of a thing. I can only see that being the case because um, <clears throat> you look at augmented reality technology and things mm. like that. Second screens that you can suddenly make advertising appear basically anywhere in the outside world by looking at your phone and pointing at something. An advert can pop out of it. You know, say there's a big sporting event in the city. The Olympics comes here. The World Cup comes here, um, which it will do in 2026. But um, you could turn a whole city into an advertising campaign based around this one event using augmented reality by having people wave their smartphones around that they have mm -hmm. anyway. You know, everything or could you be could a turn scoreboard. the entire city into a giant art installation. You could do that anytime as well. Exactly, yeah. it's not just a corporate. The, thing. You know, I think that the the. That would suck if it turned into one giant advertising campaign. It would be it could. That's it could. the slippery slope. Yeah, the, 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 great, the great thing about augmented reality is that it's your decision to interact with it that way. Mm -hmm. So True, you know you're what? still in charge of the You're in charge. You're yeah. in charge, right? So you're right. Whereas look at you know your yeah. point of out of home. Out of home makes a lot of very broad blanket assumptions. Mm. Um I think it's garish. I think it's it's uh First of all, I might not have a home. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there, <laughs> out of condo advertising. The um, quick aside: I was thinking if you had tent. if you had like a facial recognition 
billboards like what do they do like there will be all kinds of problems when like if a homeless person walks in front of them like you know AI, I just, there's so many issues well, to do with facial recognition and advertising okay ai can recognize micro expressions better than humans can mm. so facial recognition on advertising billboards could differentiate different levels of disdain that you have for the product right. yes. or in or excitement or whatever but uh, you know, I, I I think about, um, uh, you know, I have become very blind to out-of-home advertising. Mm. You've tuned it out? Or what, what do you mean blind by? A blind, tuned B- out. Blind, yeah. blind. Like, you know, like banner blindness, yeah. which is a thing oh, yeah. on the internet. Like, you know, you see these banners that pop up and then and you just you stop seeing them. Yeah. Oh, They're there. You know Except they for the ones it's, that pop out of the text. They fucking it's, annoy me. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's basically, it's Don't biological. So much, <laughs> it's biological ad blocking is what's happening, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but banner blindness also extends to the outside world. And I... You know, I've walked through Dundas Square. I've walked through that like two days, three days ago. Mm. I can't tell you right now a single brand or ad that was up there. And I was freaking surrounded Mm. with light up billboards. Mm -hmm. So what it means is that it's become so ubiquitous and so relentless that my my brain has tuned it out into in, at some subconscious level mm-hmm. that I don't even I can't even recall like what was there. Um, so I think that that's something to consider about about that type of of advertising. Mm-hmm. To your point of augmented reality, when there are is in, in, in engagement based advertising, um, I think that makes a bit more sense. But right. when I look at like highly targeted advertising. You know, uh, you know, podcast advertising is inescapable. There's no real ad blocker for it right now. Mm-hmm. So Thank I you, hear, Bulkburn. yeah, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Bulkburn. Uh, there's there's all that going on, but then I think of um, the 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 Instagram advertising that I see, and you know, as a creative director, it's like sacrilegious for me to basically say that like that shit's actually really effective. Mm, that's I have yeah. actually tapped the button to to. Oh, that that's actually kind of interesting, you know. And, and you know, it's creeping on my Amazon uh, searches. It's creeping on my Google searches. It's maybe even listening to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, uh, when when I say every once in a while, I mean every two or three days. <laughs> yes. There's an ad that pops up that's like, this is super duper relevant to my interests mm-hmm. right now. I think that this uh, drop shipping culture uh, has has opened this new world of super direct advertising uh, tactics or marketing tactics that are going to help inform the future of advertising. The reality is it's like I don't need to see a loud billboard in 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 a in in a public forum mm-hmm. for me to be influenced to buy yes. a talk product. To, talk to right. me, talk yeah. to me about yeah, my Yeah, because story. we we yeah. all have this tiny little portal into this personal space mm-hmm. that we we inhabit uh, called a, a cell phone or a smartphone. Um yeah, just just tell me there. I don't. And what's need the to- trajectory of that as uh, as someone from the advertising industry and someone who's a futurist? Like these hyper uh, personalized, like in in a world of big data and you know super intelligence, even um, if that's possible. What what will advertise? What could advertising look like? There are certain commodities that we have every day that will cease to exist in the world of advertising. You know, I think of something like toilet paper. You know, I I don't need you to 
tell me how great your toilet paper is with fluffy little kittens <laughs> crashing into mountains of like <laughs> rolls. I don't need you to do that, right? I'll miss that commercial. I, I don't but- I don't need you to, to create a runway show of wedding dresses mm. made out of the stuff I wipe my ass with. No, <laughs> yeah. I I don't need you to do that. Right. Just 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 um, send it to my house. Send it to my house. Because uh, you know what? Basis. I don't want to. I don't want to like. I don't want to lug a two four of <laughs> yeah. TP under my arm. Yeah. in the parking lot because it won't fit in the goddamn bag. Uh, <laughs> like I don't want that to happen, right? So you know, and are just you make- comfortable with the machine knowing how many times you've wiped your ass? And and just sending oh, you, a, a, you know what? Automatic okay, okay that's a, that's a really great point. Mm. Yes, that's if, a new level of privacy. You're mm. like, oh, well, okay, it, that, it that, up to my toilet paper. That's yes. <laughs> if 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 uh, the assumption is that you uh, only ever wipe your ass in the same location every time, right? And you never leave the house. But there are things like in terms of um, uh, monitoring regularity, saying, hey, you know what? You know, you've been staying at home for the the past few days yeah we noticed this pattern yeah you know you might want to modify your diet you want to that's totally that's good stuff that's the bigger picture and it's like hey i included this high fiber thing in your order don't tell my boss about this right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly don't post this on uh, my my profile hey we noticed that like you know instagram activity happens when you're in the toilet (laughs) yeah of course yeah yeah of course that stuff happens but yeah that that's a good point it's like what's the balance what's the good thing and what's the what is the forum and the consensus that is going to agree that like where the boundaries are. Well, absolutely. And it's going to, I think, to answer your question as well, you know, more personable. And that could go as far as you can imagine, I think, once we get into the genomic territory as well, which people are already yes. working on. Um, target advertising based on your very own genome is going to be a thing. But and also, will corporations own that information well, or will it be that data is going to be sold anonymous to or will it be the government? Like that, yeah. that's such a yeah. slippery slope we need right reg- now. We need regulation probably involved in that. All this big data we talk about, whether it's in the form of everyone's personal genome, minority report style facial recognition, or just our online shopping habits, it's all basically collected for one general purpose, training algorithms to make predictions. All the way back in 2013, Amazon filed a patent for something called predictive shipping. They envision knowing what we want so well, they'll just be able to send us stuff without us asking for it. And then we can return it when we don't want it. While this one day might involve autonomous delivery bots like drones, and who knows what kind of small talk we might make with their natural language processing units, Amazon is already laying the groundwork for a new logistics network, offering pickup locations that could also function as return boxes, staffless stores that use video learning to detect what you buy, and the prime wardrobe feature in the US, which lets you order a range of clothes to try on, only paying once you choose to send some back, which all mimics what brick and mortar stores offer, only without having to take your trousers off behind a curtain. Who knows what all the knock-on effects of all this will be? Amazon are already speaking to law enforcement about ways their smart home devices can also be used in crime detection. But that's all for later episodes. Here's some final thoughts from Dre on how advertising might change for the better. The thing to remember about advertising is that it it is born out of propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like Edward Bernays, you know, nephew of um, uh, Sigmund Freud, you know, invented PR uh, to help uh, 
you know, to encourage women to smoke cigarettes because cigarette companies needed to sell more what? cigarettes. What? I didn't know that. Really? That's yeah. That a- uh, yeah. There's, there's a documentary called, um, it's called Century of the Self. It's a really, really great history of um, the history of persuasion mm. and uh, public relations and the terminology that we use. If you dig deep into advertising, you'll notice that our language is inspired by military. Hmm. We have strategies. We execute. Mm. Um, we execute these strategies. Right. We have target audiences. Huh. Uh, like, the brief. Wow, I'm like, just like going like, through all yeah, the terms yeah, like now. They like, are the enemy, well, and the resource that we're trying to extract from the enemy is their money. It's effective language, right? And it's also dehumanizing in a yeah. sense because the consumer is then just one body. And yeah. you know, I often think about, well, surely certain companies, they must dehumanize people because so, they know they're doing bad things. To them. Exactly. In, right. in the long term, I think what we need to do is we need to, we need to change that conversation. We need to change the way we look at people mm-hmm. and how we address people and how we frame people. But when I when I going back to the VR thing, uh, yeah, virtual reality as a tool for advertising uh, companies and and marketers to express their interest has to be taken with that grain of salt, knowing that they they are biased. Uh, they want you to do a thing, so don't get into the empathy machine argument. In there, you have to know that it's a, the more of the biased machine. Hmm. You know, they want something from you, and which is your money. However, they might have something very uh, compelling to offer in return. You know, tourism is great. Going to cool new places and having new experiences. Yeah, there's things like that. But there's some things that might not be as compelling and important for you. And, you know, in like fl- Fight Club, you know, the, you know, you don't need to, you know, what is it? Uh, it's like a buying shit you don't need with money you don't have. Right. Like, let's just avoid that. Yeah. Just like run that filter. And, and if you can avoid that filter, then like, cool. Like, do your thing. <laughs> yeah. Great. That, that, I wish that filter was on all the time. It's just definitely yeah. not, is it? Um, well, it seems like with your, with a uh, TBD that you, um, you use a lot of, I assume the skills you picked up in the advertising world to go beyond just selling a thing to a person. It does seem very much like the storytelling aspect to, you know, you you use that because you want to do something good with it. You want yeah. to spread positive messages and maybe like and the science fiction it, aspect too. Exactly. Like the, yeah. yeah. So You're it feels using that as a formula. Yeah, yeah. it feels a, a, a little bit of ethereal and vague, but I, I think the value of storytelling, and and like I say, it's like storytelling is the protocol that we use to transmit data between one necktop device to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the internet we have H- on the meat computers. Yeah, on the meat computers yeah. we have HTTP on the internet. Yeah. To, to transmit, you know, web page information from one computer from from a server to a computer, mm-hmm. but but. We can go back to uh, as far as history can go to talk about humanity and what we can learn about um, storytelling as an important aspect. That's our protocol. Yeah, when humans didn't have the ability to write, that's our protocol. We told stories. Mm -hmm. This is why I feel like a lot of the like indigenous culture stuff that's happening right now. A lot of the a lot of the the attention that's being paid uh, paid attention to it in Canada is so important because. They know stuff. They know stuff that's really, really important that has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. And and, and part of it is the fidelity of the storytelling that was being told. And, you know, I look at these, uh, you know, pharmacological 
uh, entities that create these things, you know, the reality is, is that like chemicals come from nature. Chemicals are molecules that are, uh, you know, assembled in such a way that do certain things. And I see things like the legalization of marijuana that's happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why don't we just replace the word marijuana with medicine? Right. Call it the legalization of medicine, <laughs> of natural <laughs> Earth-grown medicine, and 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 there are stig- there's a stigma. There are people who will refuse to use it because the government did such a great freaking job at stigmatizing, you know, something that is like natural, and mm. and 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 we should be able to freely enjoy. So I think that there's an important discussion to be had about mining indigenous stories, you know, preserving that. Working with that, using that today, because we need to do that as technology um, continues to evolve, uh, we need to make sure that we are tapping into the history and not neglecting it and realizing like that that should be the de facto place we look at. We like to ask um, everyone that comes on this podcast and... I don't know, you've, you've kind of gone across both sides of the spectrum a bit. You've described the earth as a fucked up ball of stupidity at one point. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, how do you feel about the future in general? How, how do you see us going? Are you, you feeling good? Are you feeling not so good? Where, are, where you you are? Are, are you hopeful? Are you, are you fearful? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and why? Or are you both? Yeah. yeah, I'm a little bit, a little bit of both. I, I am, uh, I like to think of myself as a realist. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I look at the future, I, I have a very good understanding that with any utopia, there is usually a dystopia that is required to get there, right? Yeah. There is a balance of sunny and sinister that needs to occur. You can't just get to the good thing. Bad shit has to happen before you get to the good, good thing. Um, meanwhile, good shit can happen before you get to the bad thing. That's, you know, that's the flip side of things. My general outlook is uh, positive. Uh, I feel like deep down inside, at a very, very base level, humanity is cool and chill. Like, we just want to hang out with people we enjoy hanging out with mm. and talk about stuff we like to talk about and do the things we like to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what that's what we need to just encourage in people in general. Yeah. When I look at people who are like, you that know, would cut anxiety like crazy if everyone just did I, that. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it would cut. And it, it, you're right; it would it would help with anxiety. But that's a whole other that's a whole other thing that is like uncontrolled, and we need to help people realize that like when you're feeling shitty, like that sucks, and there might not be anything we can do about it. But just just know that you can. Like, just feel shitty for a yeah, while. Yeah, it's okay to feel shitty. It's okay right. to feel shitty. There's, yeah. there's some good around the corner too. Yeah, the, yeah. It's just, 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 just know that what you think we're thinking. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah, we're, we're too busy thinking about ourselves to think yeah. about you that much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we all suffer from like types of anxiety and so on, and it sucks because that that is like that is fundamentally a very very debilitating thing and it can mm-hmm. prevent you from doing a lot of things and, ex- mm-hmm. and and getting to a lot of places um uh so it's like learning to be accepting of that uh learning to 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 understand that like positivity is should be our default setting we should be taught at an early age that positivity should be the default setting so that we can get there. However, I am saying this as a 
freaking like white dude. <laughs> Right. Like my bias, my cognitive bias, uh, leads me to 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 this thing. So it's like um, there are a lot of people who don't have nearly as much as I have right now, and I think we need to we need to think about them. We need mm-hmm. to think about how do we get that. We mm-hmm. don't. I think we need to worry less about us and more about uh, who are the people out there that don't have what we have, uh, don't have that luxury. So all in all, I would like to look at the future in a more positive light, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that we should get there. There are things happening in the world that are kind of rolling back history uh, mm-hmm. in, in in not so good of a, of a way. Uh, but if we persevere and we keep doing what we're doing, we can eventually get to a better place. But yeah, humanity is, uh, you know, uh, the world is in need of a, uh, you know, global intervention of, uh, of positivity mm-hmm. and, uh, and enlightenment. Thank you very much, Dre. Um, Thank you. I feel like you and Pietro are basically the same person. You I can mean, have a great time knowing each other. <laughs> for the record, uh, I've been referred to uh, meet Dre like five times in my life. Like, have you met Dre? <laughs> and uh, he, we just connected over email. Uh, our friend Jan uh, put us in touch. And I was like, hey, uh, let's hang out. But do you want to be on a podcast? And Dre's like, yep. yep. <laughs> and here we are. This is the, getting to know each other. This uh, is the live. best. Okay, one, I think we're going to be friends from here on in, both Amen. of us. Great. Even you. Um, <laughs> and and I, and I feel like um, uh, I feel like this is a good way to a good way to start the friendship is to 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 sit down and have a really fun discussion. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. have a, and have an audience. Isn't that the future? Everybody's like got an audience all the time. Radical. And now we're becoming friends and radical transparency. We're living that's, in the that's content creation crazy. age. Yeah. yeah. That's there we go. Crazy. We're at the vanguard, guys. We're doing it. All right. Thank okay. you. Thanks. Thank Cheers, you. guys. <laughs> I love you. that's it for this week's episode thanks to Dre Labry for hanging out with us tell us what you think do you look forward to having companies know how many times you've wiped your bottom will you embrace the day entire cities become interactive AR advertising campaigns does the future belong to those who imagine it or will it all still be a giant billboard for whichever advertising giant has bought out all the small guys we want you to be part of the conversation Find us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Machines Podcast or email us at machinespodcast at gmail.com. This episode was recorded and produced by David Angel at his studio, Giant Sound Toronto. And that's why it sounds so good. David's previous experience section of his resume is as long as the disclaimers on daytime TV adverts. He even once spent three years as a telemarketer. How was that, Dave? Some of the most depressing three years of my life. Wow. We'll be back next week asking our guest the question, can we ever bring extinct animals back from the dead? Spoiler alert, it's not as simple as mixing their DNA up with frog genes. Sorry, Jurassic Park. <laughs>